What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast. And today I have my good friend, Mr. Rex Lawhorn with me. How's it going, Rex? It's going great. How are you doing, Drew? Doing well. Uh, Rex has been a very important part of the Oklahoma Libertarian Party affiliate. Uh, he does a lot of work on the national level, helping out um, different different people and, and, and giving input where it's absolutely needed. And um, Rex, why don't you give a little intro on yourself? Well, um, I started working with the Libertarian Movement back in 2012, the Gary Johnson campaign back then. Um, he wasn't on the ballot in Oklahoma, but I was kind of the point man on a side bet to get him onto the ballot through the Americans elect political party, uh, sued the state laws, took it to the Supreme court. They refused to hear it, but, um, that kind of put my foot in the door and for libertarian activism. But, you know, we weren't on the ballot in 2012 and didn't get on until 2016. So I spent about four years idle, you know, working in peripheral political movements, uh, getting on specific issues or, uh, specific races, but, you know, not, party politics in general. But then in 2016, when we became registered libertarian, I started working with the state and then started working with some of the national campaigns. I was on Gary's Oklahoma team in 2016 and I'm on Joe's team here in 2020. Uh, I ran for governor in 2018. Um, I knocked doors for uh, Tracy Gold when she ran for county commissioner back in 20, or city council back in 2018. Um, I've been kind of remote from everybody though, so I haven't gotten to do a whole lot of individual things. So I do most of my stuff um, online or remotely, unless there's something specific going on that I can attend and go see. But uh, yeah, I, I try to just uh, put in help wherever it's needed. There's always things that need hours and anywhere that I can get to, I'll get there. Right on. And it's, it's appreciated, man. You, you bring, not only do you bring that one thing that is so necessary and that is uh, donating time. Money's important, but time is very important, but you do that. But you also bring a certain type of wisdom. You know, I've learned a hell of a lot from you. And I know that there's a lot of people who can say the same thing. Cause I mean, it's daunting, man. You walk into this type of thing and you know, nobody likes you. <laughs> You're a libertarian. Everybody's pissed that you exist. And so to have somebody who can like, you know, really express their thoughts and tell you, hey, this is what this is. It's nice to have that. So, um, but one of the reasons I brought Rex on today was to kind of discuss um, why, where the LP is effective, especially right now. Um, and in my opinion, that's on a local level and kind of discuss how, what things we can be doing in the current, uh, position, obviously get Joe elected would be amazing and, and push for that big time and down ballot candidates as well. But from 2020 going forward, like what are some good ideas? What are some good moves that we can be doing with our state affiliate to kind of push this message of Liberty along and make a tangible change? And is there, what, what in your opinion do you think uh, falls in line with that? Like what would single be- Single issues. Single issues? Yeah. Um, what we're seeing in American politics, and this is nationwide, you know, in Oklahoma, the independents are the fastest growing political movement. And that's not just local, that's nationwide. And the reason is, is that 
none of the parties represent anybody's individual values anymore, not even the libertarian movement. It's like, a, you know, one of our common threads that we'll post among our inner chamber is what's your most unlibertarian belief? And, you know, let other people tear up or agree or whatever. Right. And those are just conversation points we have. I will say that the Libertarian Party is good about embracing differences. It doesn't look like it, but when push comes to shove, it's it's like a family, right? You, brothers and sisters fight like cats and dogs, but as far as someone from the outside comes in, yeah, that's when everybody unifies and you see full-on war. And we are very effective when we are repelling outside people where we fail is finding our commonalities with outside people because that's where we're going to make the most difference we don't have a large enough base to single-handedly move any individual issue but if we have um like we've got chad down there in choctaw right he's a city councilman he's popular we've got chris he's a vice mayor up there in bethany um but even those two, with all of their influence and all of their power, um, formal authority, you know, they can't really move the Liberty Needle, right? They can't single-handedly draw voters into the Libertarian Party, or they can't write a policy, or they can't revoke a law by themselves. It takes the cooperation of everybody else. Right. So the place that we can be most effective is finding single issues where we can get a majority of the people to say, hey, yeah, this is a bad thing. The 57% on issue 788, uh, going back to 780 and 781, which is where they decriminalize marijuana and reduce the sentences uh, for victimless crimes. Um, things like that where we can, we can move the needle and we can use our organization and we can use our influence to make those transitions um, while we continue to build our base and create an environment where we can start single-handedly moving the needle. And we're working on that. We just need to be better about finding our commonalities with outside individuals. Right. I, I agree 100%. And I think um, you, you really hit the nail on the head uh, talking about how we come together <laughs> to rebel you know somebody will fight with each other all day long but the second somebody starts talking shit about the lp then all of a sudden we're all you know coming together and and saying no no we're not doing that today um and you're seeing a lot of that especially with people trying to shame third-party voters saying oh you're throwing right. you're wasting your va vote and it's yeah, just exactly right. um what i would like to see more of is bottom unity you know i had kevin on uh not too long ago when we were kind of talking about some of that. And um, I, I really do think that there's, there's some improvements being made as, as much as it may not seem that way. And it's so easy to look at Twitter and see a post that is like bashing the left, you know, that comes from a libertarian camp and it has like, you know, 10,000 likes on it. And you're like, Oh my God, everybody in Liberty movement agrees, but that's 10,000 people. That's not the entirety. You know, it's such a small subsection so yeah, um, talking about our movement, you know, 10,000 people is like 1% right. of our entire follower base, you know, not necessarily registered libertarians, but of everybody that claims libertarian leanings. Right. 
and and it, that's even more so for these like really shitty <laughs> uh old party politicians who have some like outrageous hot take and you know you see all the likes and you're like the world's doomed and it's like no there's a lot more people not chiming in who probably aren't even on twitter or facebook or whatever the case may be you know um it's the disenfranchised people man most people don't even pay attention to politics of any kind state local national doesn't matter they don't pay any attention right they may happen to wander into a ballot box at some point but you know over half the people don't even vote ever right so you know i, I get it there, I mean, there's good reason for it yeah i i agree i, I got to be honest man before i came around and started getting involved i never gave a damn about local politics until i learned about ballot access and about these other things that like you know this is why it's important this you know our lives are are so much more affected by the city council making ordinances, you know, uh, and we've seen it in the pandemic, man. I mean, look at all these places that like people's lives have been ruined because of lockdowns and, you know, mask mandates or whatever the case may be. And that didn't happen on a federal level. That all came from the politicians in somebody's backyard. And yeah. And I want to give a special shout out to Randy Ross y'all need to get that bastard out of office because he's a total piece of shit. There is <laughs> never a situation ever at any level of government at any time where the mayor of a town should tell you that the city council is not concerned with your individual liberties because that is the only reason government is supposed to exist. That's supposed to protect your individual liberties. You know, if they want to try to spin the argument that the mask mandate does that, great. But if Anytime you've got a, someone up there saying that they don't care about your individual liberties or that their council doesn't care about your individual liberties, they don't care about you as a human being because mm -hmm. that is the fundamental core respect that we give to what each to each other's uh, self ownership. And if he is not going to respect your individual rights, that goes way past mask mandates that goes into clothing, that goes into marijuana, that goes into every single aspect, that goes into what color you paint your house. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this guy has got exactly the opposite perspective that any public servant should have. So citizens of Choctaw, make him gone. Make him gone. <laughs> We're going to make a push for that too. I mean, that's, I, I don't live in Choctaw. I know you'll, you'll be boots on the ground when the time comes and I'll be right there with you. But yeah, it's, uh, it's bedtime for him. It's time for him to go. Um, and I'll, I'll try to link in the, um, in, on the Twitter page, uh, the article that has the actual dialogue put forth by him. It was something else entirely. Um, yeah. It was one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen come out of the mouth of any politician anywhere. It's bad. It's real bad. But, you know, you see this more and more. Uh, and, and it's like 2020 was the year that like all these people got to finally flex their muscles of authority and they weren't shy about it. I mean, and it, and it doesn't just come in the form of a politician and it's the teachers unions. It's right. the, the nurses. It's these it's so many different things that these people think that they have some sort of authority over your personal individual liberty. And it's got to change. Like that mentality has got to change. And well, um, it's a confusion between authority and respect. Right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, because we all respect our teachers. We all respect our nurses. I mean, these guys are the ones that educate our children. They save our lives, you know, fire departments, police departments, same thing. We can respect them. 
but that does not give them additional authority because we do. Right. It does not give them the right to speak. It's like a people. It's they're like Hollywood people, right? The movie stars. They think that they're important that because they've got some specific entitlement that society has given them in some fashion. And now all of a sudden that just makes them an authority on everything. No, get your butt back in the hospital and treat people or yeah. get your butt back in the patrol car and get you a speeder. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. This uh, victim mentality, you know, you had teachers doing the die-ins on campuses, you know, laying yeah. down on the ground and it's just like, you're getting paid. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I have a job, man. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I, I delivered to OU, right? Like that's one of my stops. And, um, during the whole time that the, they closed school early and they didn't have any of the um, uh, salaried staff on campus, but they had the hourly staff, the people there cleaning the campus, people doing, you know, the essential jobs. And these people didn't complain. But once they said school's coming back, we're moving students back in, all these salaried teachers who'd been getting paid the entire time are showing up and they're mad about it. And it's like, yeah. Uh, you kind of got the benefit to be able to do that. Maybe don't be an asshole, you know, like, you got these, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, the, these other, the, the people who were essential, who were there, not only um, were they continuing to show up, but their hours got slashed uh, quite a bit. And so um, there's something to be said about, about that. Um, but it, yeah. So just to revert back to the, to the, the Randy Ross thing, I, I will be absolutely tagging him in the post. Uh, I hope he hears it. You know, I, I, he needs to hear from everybody. If you have family or friends in Choctaw, Oklahoma, at 100%, y'all need to be paying attention to what's going to be happening in the next, you know, few months to, to a year, because there's going to be some changes that are needing to come. Um, so, let's let's get back into the the libertarian party of oklahoma and the joe jorgensen campaign what what um what have you seen as far as people coming in to help out with the campaign uh what types of people are these are these existing lp members are these new people um probably three-fourths of the people that are signing up to volunteer on her campaign are not libertarians they are not registered libertarian they don't affiliate with the state party um I've never seen the majority of these names before. I mean, we're not even Facebook friends, you know? Right. Uh, it, it's incredible. She's drawing people from all sides. And, you know, this happens every presidential cycle. I'd like to say it's something unique about Joe or unique about this cycle, but it's not. Um, people get disaffected because people don't really care. They say that they care about their party. You know, Republicans are, you know, we're going to vote red and, there's this whole Democrat uh, blue, no matter what. And, um, you know, those are actually very small minorities of people. Uh, the people that get supported in elections these days tend to be the people that see are going to be the least harmful to them, right? Yeah. So, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, people may have been voting for a party line because that party line represented their values and that's just not the case anymore because it doesn't matter who you put into office there i mean it's never been more true that the democrats and republicans are two halves of the same coin right it's just which side of the head do you want to get stabbed in and that's who they choose to vote for and there's every year thanks to the internet social media you know the growth of the libertarian party 
just in generic activism, there are more and more people saying, you know, I don't want to get stabbed anymore. <laughs> so um, they start looking for alternatives and Joe is the best alternative out there by far. And I don't care where you come from philosophically, whether you're libertarian, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. Joe is your best option that's on the ticket this year. I agree a hundred percent. And it's not even like a lesser of three evils thing, man. It's, it's like no. the, the worst that I've heard anybody say about her is that she's had some seemingly pandering tweets that went out and those weren't even from her. That was from a campaign right. staffer. And it's like, dude, come on, man. We see it year after year. It doesn't, even if it was pandering, she's still standing for ending the fed, bringing the troops home, legalizing drugs, all the things we have been wanting to see happen. If, yes. If Joe were to get into office, you cannot tell me that that America or, or that, that movement, that because that's, I'm not under any kind of delusion. I, I know you aren't either that Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, just the two of them can dismantle the police state or dismantle the, you know, uh, military industrial complex, but it would be a benchmark for a new era in pol the yes. political world in America. And you cannot convince me that that new age that we would move into would be worse than Joe Biden or Trump. It's just not the case. You know? Yeah, and it's not the fact that they would get elected or whatever. Um, if we were to get her 25% in a presidential election or 20% or even 15%, you are going to see a massive change in politics everywhere for the simple reason there's a lot of bitches up there in Washington, D.C. that want to get reelected and that there is no other function in their life than getting reelected. And all of a sudden they see this libertarian espousing these libertarian views pushing into their voter base, right? The people that they are depending on to get them reelected, watch their tone change. Yeah. Um, and if you don't think that's going to happen, go back and watch videos from the 2018 gubernatorial election from the very start and watch how every single one of the traditional party candidates changed their message from beginning to end because they had to compare themselves against Joe and they had to listen to that applause and they had to compare themselves against me. They had to listen to those cheers. They had to compare themselves against Chris. And they had to watch the heads nodding in the crowd. And every single one of them recognized that our message resonated in every single one of them, no question, with the exception of Connie. She was pretty much already there because she was all about the weed, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you watch every single one of them, they made dramatic changes in their messaging between the beginning and the end. So just, just the fact that our message is heard makes a significant difference in at least the promises they make going forward. Right. And it's, it's doubly important to once those messages change to hold their, take them to task if they don't follow right. through, you know, yep. uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Like you said, that, that is a, a part of, you know, getting this momentum going that, that the net positive is getting these other people to kind of like, Hey, this is what the people want. Let's give it to them at least. But this whole accepting lip service and nothing else, no, that's got to change too. Yeah. And I, I think we're doing a pretty good job of that, um, especially with a group of angry individuals who you know, thrive on logical consistency. Like <laughs> we're, we're pretty good about holding somebody to, uh, to task you know, on, on what they say they're going to do. 
Um, okay, so what about what can states do? I, I've ran across um, a lot of people on Twitter and, you know, through talking to them, they're just like, ah, oh, the LP is never going to work. But then when we start talking about local affiliates, they're like, huh, I never thought that maybe I could do something for them. For states that maybe struggle for, for membership or for, you know, any type of um, uh, momentum, what do you think are the most important things to have in place to kind of build upon for a good structure affiliate? What's that? Structure. Structure. Period. End of conversation. The Libertarian has a very good history of having a ton of activists and very few administrators. And what that does, it, you know, you hear the phrase all the time about us herding cats, right? Uh -huh. Because that's what they are. They're activists. They go out there and they're like, oh, there's a thing over here. Oh, look, shiny over there. Oh, look, there's something over there. Ooh, what's that underneath my feet? Right. And you know, there's no uh, cohesiveness going forward. There's no consistency from one, uh, let's say we're talking about states. So let's talk about XCOM, right? Um, from one XCOM to the next, there is no consistency. If you go back to our very first XCOM, you know, they got us ballot access. Um, and then Gary Johnson kept that ballot access and there was a conversation that took place during that watch party that kind of sums up the biggest problem that we have on a local level. And it was like the statement that was made by one of our XCOM members was, I have no idea what to do next. Because they didn't expect us to keep ballot access, right? We'd lost it every time we'd had it before. But through all the work that happened between 2012 and 2014, um, you know, we were we were focused. We had direction at that point. Uh, from one angle, I was fighting the ballot access for Gary Johnson. Uh, we have a wonderful activist, his name is Zach Knight, who is huge on ballot access in general, that was working it through the legislature. Um, we had a bunch of other people <laughs> that were working on petitioning uh, changes. And, you know, we've got the insatiable D. Frank Robinson, who is perpetually harping on ballot access, right? We had a common purpose, and though we were all attacking it from different angles, most of us barely knew each other, we were able to get that law changed, right? So it went from that mystical 10% down to 2.5%. And so we're never going to lose ballot access again. And then it further changed to where it's any statewide race. So it's not just gubernatorial or presidential candidate anymore. Um, we're never going to lose ballot access again, but now what, right? That's right. the thing. You've got to have a long-term vision, a long-term plan that goes from one step to the next. So Tina's uh, term was over, Erin took over, and you know, she's really big on the national. She had a lot of things going on in her life at that particular point in time. Um, and she said it right when she ran, right? She's going to be a placeholder for a year, right? She's going to ensure that we don't lose anything that we've got. And she's going to try to put some structure and organization in place. And she did. Uh, but then her term ended. And there is only one person left from that XCOM over, and that's Chad. He went from treasurer to uh, now he's the chairman. So he had his vision for what he wanted to have happen. And he's put a lot of structural things in place. 
but you know, what have we seen statewide as far as organization is concerned? The Northwest is still unorganized. The Southwest just recently got organized. The Northeast, which should be one of our most active regions, you know, Tulsa there at the center um, has been basically dead because we put the wrong people in place there earlier. Uh, we've got Todd there now, but you know, he's got no one supporting him and he's got his own life challenges going on. So uh, it's that structure, you know, someone messages from Bartlesville, you know, what can I do to help? Nobody has an answer for him. We got somebody down here in Durant, what can I do to help? Nobody has an answer for him. And if you don't catch, if you don't let the iron strike when it's hot, yep. you know, those activists just walk away yep. because they're like, well, these guys don't want me. They don't care about me. I mean, that was why it took me so long to become involved in the Libertarian Party is I could never get anyone to answer for me. I didn't do anything between 2012 and 2016 because uh, Steve Long was the chair during that time frame. And I messaged him, emailed him multiple times never even got a single response saying hey i'll get back to you right um it was just static so you know i'm like well fine they don't want me i'll find other things to do and i did so but that's the thing having that structure that organization to where when someone is ready to plug in there's a socket available and we get them wired up and let them burn um and then being able to carry that consistency from one XCOM to the next uh, you know, we're working on that now. You're on the uh, the policy team with myself and Chad and Sharice and Kaylin, and uh, we're going to put together that policy manual, right? That's going to help us create that consistency from XCOM to XCOM. So even if, you know, everybody from this one were to disappear, whoever took it up next cycle, they would have something to fall back on, and they don't have to reinvent the wheel over again. Nice. Because that takes a year every time. Yeah. And that's, that's solid, you know, because one of the worst things is falling into a position and not really knowing how to fulfill your duties. Um, yeah. And it's, man, look, we are the, the epitome of the, the most unequipped people walking into a world we, we don't really know a whole lot about. Libertarians, right. we know all about philosophy. We can argue that all day long. But when you look at the Democrats and the Republicans, they consist of, I mean, people who went to college for political science. I'm, uh, they've been in a lot of time in that world. And I'm a truck driver. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, what the hell do I know about that? You know, but because we, we have learned from our mistakes, we, we are building on that. And you make a really good point. You have to have that organizational structure in place. And um, I think here in Oklahoma, we're making those changes. You know, um, it's coming yes. in. It's coming in the more localized version. I don't think it's from the top down, um, but I think that we're making some good headway in that direction. Uh, Absolutely, especially you guys there in Central. Man, we got together last night, and I somebody told me, uh, a guy I got into an argument with on Twitter, he was like, you know what? The LP doesn't know anything about structure or, or organization. And I'm like, let me listen to this guy. And so we talked in the DMs a little bit, and he taught me about a field plan. I never knew what a field plan was, but I started looking into it and we got together last night and went over a field plan. So now we got goals, stuff like that. I don't know what to do from here besides continue reading and listening to people like yourself and D Frank and, you know, these, these folks who've been around for a while and understand, but we're making some headway, man. And it feels kind of, kind of cool, you know? Yeah. It's very helpful. Um, 
And I think that's one thing that I appreciate about the Libertarian Party is, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans, they've got an advantage because they've got 30, 40, 50, 60 year long elected officials that know this game inside and out, right? They've run a yeah. hundred campaigns uh, from over the course of their career. So, you know, they've got that tied down and they've got all the money. Um, they, whatever resources they need, they've got available to them. And we don't have that. But what we do have is ingenuity. We've got flexibility. Um, we've got the moral high ground, right? We've got moral consistency. Mm-hmm. So we, where they have to worry about shifting every cycle, we don't have to worry about that. We've got solid principles. We've got a solid base. We don't have to worry about our message because it's sound. Right. And it resonates. Um, what we have to worry about is being organized. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean having everything down to a nuts and bolts, but that does mean having, um, having an idea of what needs to happen, regardless of how it winds up happening. And that's something that we've been lacking to this point, but uh, we've got some really solid people. And, you know, it's when we were at the Joe Jorgensen rally, uh, Chris and I were standing there talking, Chris Powell and I were standing there talking. And, um, you know, one of the people that worked on my campaign walked over and said, hey, it's good to see you guys getting along. Um, Like Chris and I have never not gotten along. Yeah, we've had our disagreements. But I, I am going to say this publicly once and for all, without a question, if there is anyone in the country that has the knowledge about how to run a campaign and what processes need to take place in order to win that campaign, it is Chris fucking Powell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That man can run any campaign at any level and he can do it successfully. Yeah. And I really hope that we are able to tap him more going forward to teach other people these techniques and methods. I learned 90% of what I learned during my campaign from watching him do his. Um, And that is the type of knowledge that we need to spread. And uh, I don't know, you need to get Chris Powell on here to talk about campaigning. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) I'm I'm also going to try to railroad him into doing a workshop, hopefully at the convention, if I can figure out how to finagle that because this next Oklahoma convention is going to be awesome. You know? Yeah. Right. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I'll save that for Tori to talk about some other time. 100%, man. Um, and also when it comes to Chris, like, how rare is it to find somebody who really makes a hobby out of political statistics? Like, For real. Oh, my God. That man is a genius when it comes to it, man. Yeah. Uh, he throws up these charts. And, and those of y'all listening, you don't know because you're not in the Discord, but – when somebody has a question like, hey, how many libertarians are in this area? Chris has a freaking heat map he throws up and it's like, hey, look, this is where the libertarians are. And yeah. he, make, he makes it seem so easy, but that's a lot of work that goes into understanding that. So um, I, I, I'm with you. I really do hope that we see him tap more going in. And, he, and I believe that we will. Uh, I know he's doing a lot of work for Greg. He's helping Greg out. Yeah. Um, Sadler. Um, I'm not sure if he's helping Todd. I hope he is. I hope he's. I hope so too. Because Todd could use that. That's a, that's going to be an exciting race right there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So 
that's uh that's kind of the the core of it man um you you really solidified some of my 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 positions on it and you helped me kind of understand and hopefully other people understand a little bit more too that and local is where it's at presidential yeah. races are great national tickets are awesome but if libertarians are only showing up every four years we're doomed it's never right. gonna work we have to continue to show up and so uh so yeah um before we uh before we end the uh, podcast is there anything you want to plug any anything that you got coming up that you wanted to kind of talk about oh i will say there's going to be some exciting news coming from liberty mountain farm soon um i know we've been kind of stagnant for the last year but we've really been kicking it in for the last year i put a lot of blood and broken bones literally into what's going on here over the last couple weeks and uh I think we're going to see some exciting stuff. But again, that's something Tori is going to be talking about later. Okay. All right. Yeah. For those who don't understand, can you explain a little bit just on, on the base level what Liberty Mountain Farms is? Oh, yeah. Liberty Mountain Farms. Uh, so Victoria and I moved uh, to the top of a mountain down in Poto, Oklahoma. And we are going to be creating an educational environment homestead um, that is going to teach people how to get off the grid, how to get out of the city, um, how to grow your own food, how to create your own housing, how you can power your own home. All of these things that you can do to become more of an agorist, um, to get away from the government, to, to be less affected by the regulations that are surrounding you. So, and Oklahoma is a prime place for that because once you get out there in the boondocks, the laws don't let you, they don't, restrict you from doing anything so we are going to be 100 percent self-sustainable and uh, that and when i say that i am not saying that we are going to be able to generate funds to buy the things that we don't need i am saying we are going to be able to create everything we need right there on the farm and we are going to be teaching everybody else how to do that too so if you want a piece of it or if you want the whole thing liberty mountain farms is going to be there to walk you through every step of the way but um right now we're you know getting ready to start on our home and we are starting on the garden and i've got to move the sawmill but we're going to be doing some other work up there and we're starting on um a lot of the craft items and stuff because just because we can create everything ourselves doesn't mean we want to <laughs> so we are going to be generating funds to you know buy stuff that is just more cost effective to purchase rather than create so, but yeah, Liberty Mountain Farms on Facebook. Be looking for us on Twitter and Instagram in the not too distant future, and hopefully on YouTube and Patreon as well. Fantastic. So, yeah, that's the whole that's the whole spiel right there. And that's awesome. I mean, that's that's really really awesome. I think that we. I'm looking forward to the announcement. I can't wait to see what's coming up, man. Um, I've been watching you guys progress in that, and it's it's just been very inspiring. You know. So, well, Rex, man, brother, I love you so much. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, and I'll, I'll be posting your Twitter handle also on the, on the page notes. Sure so, uh, all right. With that, we'll see you later. I appreciate it, brother. Have a good night. Hey, you too. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in, and we will see you all next time.